for checking out the Mythical Day Humble Park podcast and joining us as we join God as He makes all things new. We are excited to pursue His heart for the greatest city on earth in the center of the city in this great neighborhood of Humble Park. Stay tuned. That um, God is yet doing amazing things among us and in us. It's like ridiculous. Uh, that he loves us so much that we are still in preparation. I know it doesn't seem like it. I know it doesn't feel like it, but we are in preparation for good things. Now, what was the thing in the 90s is to always say is that revival is coming. Why? Because Jesus is coming back. I mean, people have been saying that for so long. He's not back yet. (laughs) They're like, okay, this is it's going to be this abundance so Jesus can come back because there was this feeling of it's time for us to get out of here. That affects us as believers in that we can't see the world with vision or with the salvific lens. We see it as a destructive lens. Oh, this is just a sign of an end. You know, the virus is everything is going to end at this point. It's all finished. But yet and still we have a redeemer who does great things with very broken things. The very first Sunday um, of the year, last year, we talk, or last week, we talked about, um, about us being the brokenhearted. That so many of us have gone through some tough, tough things and have been brokenhearted and bringing that broken heart to the Lord. The same way that John did, the same way that he understood that he was paving the way for Jesus and Jesus came in a way that he wasn't expecting him to look. Jesus didn't come with a Uzi in a tank. He came humbly riding on a donkey, a baby donkey at that. That's insulting Jesus. That he didn't come with this mighty, bigger than life persona, but he came humbly serving each and every person. What does that mean for us as we begin to receive Christ, as we create this reception for him? It means that we first prepare our hearts. Today I'm going to talk about a new era of activism. As we are looking at MLK Day tomorrow, um, and everybody is going to start, everybody's getting their MLK quotes geared up, (laughs) that they're not going to post any other time of the year. Because they only put them down, maybe Black History Month they want to. We're going to post them right now because it show how much in the activism we are. But there is a new era of activism, and I think what that is, is that we begin to get our hearts right, which is a different work. And it's easy to go march out on the street sometimes and believe that the problem is always outside of you. That someone else needs to change. That it's someone else that they need to do things. If God only gave me this, then I wouldn't feel this way. When we've not dealt with unforgiveness in our hearts sometimes, we haven't dealt with all of the issues that come in life. Sometimes we need to go talk to someone. We need to go talk to a therapist, maybe. All these things that we begin to walk around with in our lives and we carry this heaviness. And it keeps us from receiving Christ because a reception is an exciting time. And our frustration can't really go there. 
But we're called to prepare. There's a story in scripture, and Jesus is telling this parable of the ten virgins. And the ten virgins are preparing to be a part of this wedding procession. The way it worked in the east is that you had an arranged marriage, right? That was a legal part. And then in the middle of the night, he comes like a thief in the night. In the middle of the night, the groom would show up, the bridegroom would show up to his bride's home and they would go to somewhere for a wedding feast. And it was a time of celebration and procession in the streets. And everybody would join and gather together as they walked. And you have this parable that Jesus is telling and we look at it sometimes as being very apocalyptic. And he's telling this um, in Matthew 25. And in Matthew 25, you have the parable of the sheep, sheep and the goats where he's judging the nations. But this, he's talking about his second coming. You have five wise virgins and you have five foolish virgins. The five wise ones kept their oil for the night. They all fell asleep. These five kept their oil. Now, they're not getting married. They're most likely friends of the bridegroom or friends of the bride. And when a call goes out, then they join run in the streets and join with everyone as they proceed to this wedding feast together. That there is something that happens where it's a big show, but it requires preparation before that time. That they have to have their oil ready to go. That they have to have their wicks long and ready to be lit and carry these lamps on these poles through the streets so they can actually light the way for this procession. And in Matthew 6 and 10, it says, And at midnight a cry was heard. Matthew 25, 6 through 10. And at midnight a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us in you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went away, a bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. In this new era of activism, it is important for us to not surrender our oil. It's not to surrender the things that we have fought for. Father, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for your love. Thank you for preparing us. In Jesus' name, amen. That we all would see and think of this story and think what's going on outside in the streets is actually the, the most exciting part. It's the party. But unless the preparation is taken care of, then the party doesn't happen. Or if it, doesn't ha it does happen, then many are left out. How are we engaging with our preparation? That's definitely not as sexy as the party. Definitely not. <laughs> We're like sweeping the corners of our heart. We are thinking of those relationships that we need to bring back. We are considering how we feel. We're considering what's in our hearts before we go out and make a mess 
outside of us that's the same as what's inside of us. But as God welcomes us in our brokenness and our brokenheartedness, there is no way to not receive his goodness at that point. I remember when I used to work for this company called Bedloft and we would take these heavy appliances into college campuses and uh, we would also take these huge bed parts. It was like the hardest labor job I ever had. And sometimes we would finish a day and we had another day to work. We would get finished with this day. It's 1 or 2 a.m., right? But we had to load the truck for the next day because you don't want to come in the morning and load the truck. So we would come... 2 a.m., we're exhausted. We would stop at the place that's already closed now, um, right in the UIC area to get some uh, uh, food. What is that, the, um, the Polish place? Is it t- Jim's? I think it's closed now, it's crazy. But they would always have this big pile of onions cooking, so when you drive down 94 going south, 9094 south, you can always smell them. I'm like, man, you can smell those. So we would, we would eat there really late, which is not good for you, I know, and then go load the truck again late at night. But it made the next day a lot smoother because sometimes we had to drive two and a half hours to get to the school before we even started unloading the truck to do all these things. And that taught me a great lesson about being able to major in the preparation more than we major in what the event is and what the party is that while we are going through all this stuff, that we are walking through things that we don't want to do, all this in the middle of winter, that we are being prepared for something, that we are being prepared for the goodness of God to pour out on us, that we would hold our hearts open and not protect them from pain that we think is coming. It makes it so difficult to listen to the Holy Spirit and those instances. And just as the ten versions prepared, some prepared more than other, there was this precious oil in the midst of preparation that kills your fear about missing the bridegroom. That this fear that rises up in us about what the future holds lowers in the midst of our being prepared. But how do we Prepare by keeping our hearts open to what God is doing. In 2 Corinthians 4 and 10, it says, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body, that we are hard-pressed but not crushed, that we are being crushed and pressed and broken sometimes. And what comes from crushed, pressed, brokenness? Nothing but oil does. The two substances in Scripture, really in the Bible, that represent the abundance, wine and oil. Both come from the pressing and crushing of something that was very valuable in that time. 
that the crushing produces this oil, which then again lights our lamp, which allows us to shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You're probably wondering what your anointing is made of. It's made of tears. It's made of sweat. It's made of disappointment. It's made of fear. The substance that comes after the crushing. And so many at this point, people that I hold dear have given up their oil. That we've walked through all this stuff, two years of a pandemic, and I'm sure you know at least 10 to 20 people that you could name. We've walked through all this stuff through the pandemic, and folks is like, you know what, you can have my oil. That the product of all this that happens is given. That we no longer see ourselves as being prepared. We have given up. We have turned back. We have understood that yes, we are hard pressed, but we're crushed. This is too much, I'm not gonna do this anymore. I'm not going to put my hope in Jesus that we have experienced such disappointment, maybe with the evangelical movement, the conflation of politics, the lack of care for justice, that we're convinced that the pressing is, is nothing but just pressing. But this is where anointing comes from. This is our Inheritance. This is our legacy. This is, there is no other way to get the oil from you. Jesus is praying in Gethsemane, which literally means oil press. It was located in a Mount of Olives in an oil, in an olive plantation, and he is being pressed on every side, and he is sweating almost these drops of blood, but you know what is going to come from his body being crushed and anointing oil that we still rest upon. When I talk about the lavish love, see the love that the Father has lavished on us. That is none other than the oil that comes from the Mashiach, the Messiah. You would anoint the Messiah. You would anoint prophets. You would anoint kings with this costly ointment or oil. Costly. That it costs us something to hold on to this oil. And you know what five of those virgins said? I'm not giving it to anybody. I'm waiting on my Savior. I don't know when, I don't know what time, I don't know when the abundance is coming, but I know it is happening. Ecclesiastes 10 and 1 says essentially, do not even let a fly into your ointment because it ruins the whole batch. That we would protect this holy spirit moving through us that is trying to be snatched by the pandemic is trying to be snatched by politics, is trying to be snatched by winter, 
This is the activism that is preparation before you ever get outside. Seeing many people fall away and let what has happened in life be a reflection on the very character of God. That he just, he just didn't want it to happen. He doesn't want us to be healed. The lessons I learn infinitely more from praying for someone who doesn't get healed than praying for someone who does get healed. Because I then have to decide has the character of God changed for me? Because I pray and do not see the result of my prayer. Because surely I know exactly the moment and the day that all this is supposed to happen. Like I said, God is good and he's good all the time. Yes. Am I humble enough, wise enough to always recognize that? No. <laughs> or even know what is, what's good. Because what's good to me one day may not be good to me another day. That his goodness can be subjective to a people who are used to praying for comfort. You know, God, just take this pandemic away. Everything would be better if you just took it away. He's like, what? What's different? How are you different? How, how has this changed your country? How has this changed the way this country looks at the poor? Has it? No, not really. How has it changed the way that we interact as neighbors? How has it changed the way that we hunger and thirst for community? That we are being pressed, but there is an oil being produced that allows us to light the way for Christ in his abundance. If only we would hold on and realize what is coming from us is such a precious substance to hold on to, to see the Holy Spirit move through us that we would have no agenda but to love him. I should have put a sign on that rock that says COVID, but <laughs> it's like this huge rock over a walkway, you know? <laughs> like this thing, this impending doom of what's coming. Okay, when are they gonna cancel school again? Ah, this is horrible. This winter is going on forever and ever. <laughs> is it over yet? Nah, not really. <laughs> but all of that pressing through things is producing oil in you. If only we would see it as preparation and not just suffering. That Jesus went to pray and could see it as God preparing him, not just causing him pain, not just because God is angry at us. I heard somebody say once, if you look in the Bible, it takes about 300 years for God to get angry. <laughs> and, that, and that was before Jesus. 
long-suffering. He lets us trip over ourselves and maybe learn a lesson and over and over the repetitive same thing. But do not surrender your oil. That this is what it's made of. That the woman who broke the alabaster jar and poured it on the feet of Jesus, it was costly, yes, in cost. How do you think she would have gave, do you think she would have gave that to someone she met on the street on a way to pour it at the feet of Jesus? Most likely no. Some say that it could be as valuable as a year's wages. How much more is your oil worth? The days where you didn't want to hear from the Lord. The days where you didn't want to believe that he was coming to save you or to comfort you. The days where you didn't want to believe this church would come back from the brink of extinction at all. All that is your precious oil. So many have given it up and just decided, you know, I've, I've really just seen the church as a vehicle for my influence to go to the world. I think when we depend on men, we will be disappointed. If you depend on me, you will be disappointed. I don't have any plans, but I'm telling you, I'm a man that will disappoint you because I'm a man. Over and over, churches create this narrative that there is perfection or that there is something that is impossible to happen to me because I'm here. And then you know what happens? Every time, eventually, that something happens. And then everyone goes, Jesus, why'd you do this to me? And I'm here as his representative, but also to encourage you, to implore you to seek out Jesus for your own. that he is giving you, giving us no agenda but him. The people turn away disappointed because these great leaders have fallen, they've been looking to them and not to Jesus. I've been in churches, I've been hurt, I've seen all this stuff, but you know what hasn't waned? My love for Jesus. Because I understand it wasn't Jesus doing that to me. I heard a leader say once, my wife reminded me of this. It was like when we were at our, our uh, supernatural school in Reading. And he said, he said, I see you guys out there. You're all on fire, ready to go after Jesus. Um, come see me in 20 years. I would love to see if you're still on fire. And when I tell you, 
All the people that we started this journey with in ministry, me and my wife, are not following Jesus in the same way. It's bananas that you see all of this dependence on men failing us. But as we receive Jesus, we must be ready for Jesus. And be done with the prayer of just take it away. This is in Florida. I took <laughs> says COVID free zone. Oh, really? that God has called us into vulnerability over our ability. That we really find what we're made of when a church cannot hold its moral superiority over others. How can we really celebrate that? God is bringing you out, he blessing. He blesses you. Turn to your haters and say, what? I mean, I thought I was supposed to love my enemies. Like, I don't need superiority over someone else to make myself feel loved by Jesus. That we would not even need men's and women's approval, but only our Savior, Jesus Christ. that we would remember that's all he needs. Maybe you wonder how I'm doing sometimes and I come in here sometimes and it's like four people in here and how it's going. I feel like I've had some of the best times at church in the last few weeks than I ever have. Because my measurement is the very presence of God and the people of God gathered around loving Jesus. He is preparing us for something. But we got to realize that we are pressed, but we are not being crushed. That there is something pouring from our lives, an abundance that is pouring from our lives, even in this moment, and you got to stay ready so you don't have to get ready. We stay ready with this precious anointing that we can break at the feet of Jesus. So that when men disappoint us, they will, we don't completely lose our faith. And we don't completely lose our oil and give, it to, give our waiting to someone else. That there is a new joy that comes when we trust in Jesus. And Jesus alone. For I am persuaded that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. That we have this solid foundation in Jesus, we hold on to that, and we will be unshakable. Do you know where we are going? 
Do you know that we are going to a place of welcoming those who don't know Jesus into these doors? Don't you know that many of you will lead people to Jesus? But we have to turn from seeing this time of crushing as an attempt at destruction. Because the methods of the enemy and the methods of God look very similar, but they're very different results. The enemy tried to destroy Jesus and stomp him and let a rock fall on him, have him die in the most shameful way. And what happened? It released this oil that covered the world and prepared us.